The scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 6, 20 through 26. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil, on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. My name is Brett Sweet. I'm one of the pastors here at GCF where we exist to glorify God through gospel-centered worship, evangelism, discipleship, and community. We are in a series through the book of Luke, and Jesus is preaching. And they say that it's the job of preachers to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And Jesus is going to do that this morning. So let's pray that we would know how to respond, who he's speaking to, and how we should respond. Lord, we're thankful for this day. We're thankful that you are good and kind to us. We're thankful for this passage of Scripture. We're thankful that these are true words. We're thankful that when we look around trying to determine what is true and what isn't, we can trust that what Jesus says is right. So, Lord, we pray we would be humble before him that we would listen carefully, that I would help your people. And Lord, we pray for supernatural work to be done in our hearts. Help us to see Jesus Christ as the great prophet and the great priest and the great king that he is. In his name we pray, amen. Karen Johnson tunes in to police scanners and fire scanners and turns that around and tries to be a blessing to the people around her. She has a Twitter handle, which is at Scancouver, because she she listens to the scanners of Vancouver, Washington, across the state. And so when there are traffic collisions and things like that, she tweets them out, and people are blessed. They know that they should avoid certain areas where there's roadblocks and so forth. And they're trying to steer clear of them. One morning, or really actually one afternoon in December of 2013, she was tuned into the scanner and people were tuned into her account. And as she was doing that, she heard about a fatal traffic collision on I-205 South. And she thought, oh, I hate, she tweets out, I hate that stretch of road. It's always so dangerous, people going too fast. More details came in as she's tuned in. She's, she's hearing like, this, uh, this accident sounds terrible. 
But then as she was listening to the details, she experienced some warning in her heart. Her husband of 12 years should have returned home by now. So she tweets out, I'm trying not to panic, but my husband left work early and he drives 205 to get home. He's not answering his phone. He's late. Then next tweet, I'm a basket case. Then the warning intensifies. I called his work and he was feeling faint when he left work. How long do I wait for him to come home before I call the police? The Vancouver area is now tuned in to Karen at Scancouver. Everyone knows that what, what news is coming will make a difference in her life. They know that what she is hearing is now relevant to her. People were tuned in waiting for the update. And for over an hour, nothing. Nothing from Scancouver. But during that hour of silence, state troopers came to Karen's house. Her husband, Craig, had been killed in the crash that she was reporting. She fell to the ground, and then she sent out this haunting tweet that's really two of the shortest sentences possible. It's him, period. He's dead, period. Maybe you've been in that heartbreaking situation yourself. Karen tuned into scanners thinking that the things she's hearing impact other people. But then all of a sudden she realizes it's for her. It impacts her. And the more she tuned in, the more she experienced the urgency of what was happening. As we turn to Jesus here in these pages, it's easy for us to think that this was written just for the original listeners. Or just for Theophilus, whom Luke wrote this to. And we just tune out. And we think, this isn't for me, this is for them. Don't do that this morning. This is relevant to you. We must tune in to Jesus. So Luke 6, 20 through 26 really lay this command on us. Tune in to Jesus' blessing and warning. Tune in to Jesus' blessing and warning. Don't tune out now. You need to hear what Jesus has. Don't change the station in your brain. Don't think about what's going on later today, if there is anything going on later today. Listen to Jesus. Tune in and hear. Specifically, we need to hear two things. Two things. We need to hear that those who are battered are blessed. The battered are blessed. Those who have been beat up in this life are the blessed ones. And we need to hear also that the well-off are warned. The well-off are warned. We're being warned this morning. So let's tune in first and hear that the battered are blessed. The battered are blessed. Do we hear that this morning? So when we hear about other people's hardships in life and difficult, difficult challenges and people that have been battered and bruised by the waves of life, we can start to think that God has it out for them. But that's not always the case. Jesus wants us to hear that the battered are blessed. And that word battered, I need to qualify it. That does not mean that if you are being abused at work or in the home that you should do nothing. You should look for help. We as a church would want to help you in that. But we're talking about people that have hard lives. It's a challenge. They're battered by life. 
and the battered are blessed. And that word blessed, as we get through it, has really a couple meanings. It means happy. It means happy, but basically disconnected from circumstances. Or a better word might be flourishing. Blessed means flourishing. So the battered aren't just surviving, they're flourishing. But when? When? When are the battered blessed? You're blessed when you're poor. Blessed when you're poor, we're told. Listen to Jesus' words in verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Matthew, when he writes an account, similar teaching, says he spiritualizes, says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Luke doesn't do that. Luke is, is talking about economics here. Poor, people that don't have anything. The ble- that the poor are blessed. Now, how can this be? How can it be blessing to be poor? The poor have nothing. They own nothing. They have no influence. But Jesus says, wrong. The poor possess something of infinite value. They possess the kingdom of God. They have the most valuable thing imaginable. They're poor, but they have acreage. They may not have money, but they have something much, much more valuable. And we're meant to see our generous king, when nobody else will help the poor, our generous king is willing to give them his kingdom. What an amazing God. Are you tuned in? The battered are blessed. Do you hear that? When you're, you're blessed, when you're poor. Notice also, secondly, you're blessed when you're hungry. Blessed when you're hungry. That's surprising. Tune in and hear the first part of verse 21. Blessed are you when you are, you who are hungry. Hungry now. For, your, for you shall be satisfied. Now regularly, Jesus is Followers at this point in time are are very poor. Their stomachs are always aching. They're hoping for just a small meal or two maybe during the course of the day. They're just hoping for anything. Hoping that their small crops don't fail. Living in a state of what most of us would consider constant hunger. Now how can this be flourishing? And notice that they're flourishing now. Luke uses that word again and again, now, in this passage. You're battered now. You're hungry now. And Jesus says, here's why you're blessed now. Because you shall be satisfied. You're hungry now, but you shall be satisfied. You will be filled. The battered are blessed. What you need will be granted to you. God will generously grant you those things. The battered are blessed. The poor get the kingdom. The hungry will be satisfied. But look another way when we're blessed. The battered are blessed. We need to hear that. We're blessed when you weep. You're blessed when you weep. When we weep and mourn, we just want it to end. We want it over with. We want the pain to go away. It seems like nothing is right in the world and that things will never be right. But look at the end of verse 21. Blessed are you who weep now. If you're weeping now, why? 
for you shall laugh. You laugh. Now think of what sin has done to this world. The car crashes like that. Part of the fall. Violence. Disasters. Addiction. Death. The church is not meant to be a country club or a vacation cruise. It's a hospital for sinners, for people who weep and ache and are hurting. So Christians don't need to paste on a fake smile, act like everything is okay all the time. True Christians weep. Often they weep now. And Jesus says that when you weep, you're blessed right now while you're weeping. Why? Because Jesus promises that laughter will come. It is coming. It may be a while, maybe longer than you hope, but it's coming. He's bringing joy. He's bringing laughter. God, God is saying you're flourishing. You just, you just may not see it just yet. You're flourishing. So no matter how battered we are, we're blessed. The poor get the kingdom. The hungry will be satisfied. The ones who weep will laugh. Now let's hear the last way the battered are blessed. You must hear that you are blessed when you are hated. You're blessed when you're hated. What? Jesus? Jesus, don't you want followers? Isn't hate a bad thing? Don't we want to stop hate? Let's tune into Jesus. And let's read verses 22 and 23. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. These are the key verses. The first few verses make Jesus sound like a Marxist. Sounds like a communist, makes it sound like being poor or downtrodden or something like that automatically makes you morally good. Not the case. The Bible-believing scholars all recognize that here in these verses, 22 and 23, it frames the verses around them. So you're not just blessed because you're lazy and that's why you're poor. You're, you're not blessed when you weep over the loss of your sports team. You're not blessed if you're hated because you're just a flat-out jerk. Jesus is saying that all of that is meant to be framed around your relationship with Jesus, the Son of Man. Some Christians feel that they are being persecuted hated, excluded because they're Christians, when really they're just thoughtless and rude and inconsiderate and not a joy to be around. But if you are hated, if you're excluded, if people scoff at you and mock you for carrying the name Christian by being connected to Jesus, rejoice, Jesus says. Rejoice. Leap for joy. There's a command there. Is that how you feel? I, I, I don't leap for joy really ever. And when I think about leaping for joy, I'm not sure I would do it because I was hated. But Jesus says, yes, if you're hated for being a Christian, 
Leap for joy. Do it. Why? Because you have a reward. And not just any reward, Jesus says. You have a great reward in heaven. So tune into Jesus. Do you hear that the battered are blessed? If you are in Christ, you are blessed. No matter how beaten up you feel. So this application is far-reaching. There are sinful jobs out there. Selling drugs, breaking laws, uh, selling your body, things like that. But for the most part, other than those very small slivers, Christians, there's no job beneath your dignity. There's none. You can serve at a low-level job and glorify God and provide for yourself and provide for the poor around you. We can be hard workers We can distribute to those around us. That's one reason why we have a benevolence fund at the church looking to help people who need some help. But also as individuals, we should be thinking, how can I help the people around me? It's it's all God's money. I've got a reward in heaven. I I have the kinghood of God. What's, what's What's the harm in helping these people? I should look to help these people. Now, poverty, sadly, is part of the fall. And Jesus actually says it's always going to have the poor, always going to have the starving with you. Now, thankfully, in the last hundred years, things have gotten dramatically better. But that doesn't mean it's nowhere in the world, and it doesn't mean it's nowhere in this neighborhood. So we should be thinking, these poor could be part of the kingdom. We need to bless them as well. We need to be caring for them. What about weeping? Statistically, in a room with this many people, there's people in here who are attracted to people of the same sex or feel like they're trapped in the wrong body. And our culture would say, you know what you should do? You should just follow your heart, follow those desires, do the right thing, that, that, do, do those things, that'll, that'll be the right thing for you. But Jesus says no. Here's how you respond. You weep. You weep. You recognize that there's things now that don't just go away automatically all the time. And so you weep. And you trust that the weeping will be ended someday. You tell others to to pray for you and weep with you. Love you. Help you. What about being hated? Jesus is teaching here that there's two ages and there's kind of an overlap that began with Jesus. The new, the new age, the eternity is busting in to our, to our time. You can be blessed now, but there is an age to come where you will laugh again, even if you're hated. It doesn't feel like being blessed at times. And notice this. And this is remarkable when we think about these Beatitudes. Jesus is the eternal Son of God. Eternal Son of God. He has ever lived a perfect, he ever lived in perfect, joyful, comfortable fellowship with God the Father. And then he came to earth. And what was it like when he was alive? He was probably the poorest person you would have ever met. 
He had nowhere to lay his head, he said. He was probably among the hungriest people you ever met. He chose this. There was times where he went days without food. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. He experienced what it's like to live in this fallen world where there's sin and suffering. Watched his friends die. And he wept. And Jesus was hated. Hated so much that all the religious and political machinery were pushing and driving and grinding him to being crucified on a cross. Jesus was hated. What about you? When you read that that's what it means to be blessed, do you believe it? See, Jesus calls you to go nowhere he hasn't gone, with one exception. You see, on the cross, Jesus took the wrath of God in the place of every person who will put their faith and trust in Jesus. That can be you today. So you might and will in some level be poor, hungry, weeping, and hated. But you won't experience the wrath of God. So listen, Jesus fully satisfied God's judgment by living this way. Calling us to live that way. That's what the blessed life is. You're flourishing when you're experiencing those things. For hours, though, he went to the, on the cross. He suffered basically hell on earth. Wrath of God against sin. Why? So he can bring the kingdom of God to the poor and the downtrodden. Flourish today. Be blessed today. Believe in Jesus today. Follow Jesus today. Believe what he says about who is blessed. And it's often and usually the battered. Follow him. You need to hear him. So tune into the blessings of Jesus. But now we need to hear something else. We need to hear that the well-off are warned. The well-off are warned. Woes are like curses. You're cursed, usually, if a woe is pronounced on you. But Jesus has this functioning a little differently than a decided once-for-all curse. It's a warning saying, if you continue the way you are, you'll be under the curse. So you're being warned. And what's interesting is that the well-off are those who are self-satisfied, who are content, comfortable with the way things are. And so we need to wonder and tune in and see if these warnings are for us. we got to listen. So let's listen to these warnings. First one, you are warned when you are rich. You are warned when you are rich. Here, verse 24. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. If you have dependable shelter and food for more than a day or two, Jesus would probably say, you're not poor. So probably, even if you get your food from government assistance, Probably you need to hear this warning. And most of us are not even that poor. We're rich. 
So do you hear his warning this morning? Luke is going to show again and again in the gospel that he is way more concerned about what's going on in our hearts when it comes to money than many of the things we're preoccupied with. He's very concerned about that. Jesus is very concerned about that. But hear what Jesus is saying to the rich. You have your smartphone. You have your TV. You have your electricity. You made yourself comfortable. You feel like you don't need anything else. Well, you have your consolation. You have as good as it's going to get. Picture yourself being a researcher at Purdue University a few years ago. You get in, you interview people, you send out uh, surveys, you tabulate data. And as you do these things, you find something that's surprising to you. Maybe surprises your heart a little bit. You're studying the way wealth interacts with happiness. And you find that in families where the income is over $100,000, they're not happier. In fact, they're more miserable. And you know what? All that working to provide for your family, to give your kids a comfortable life, kids in those affluent families actually tend to be more depressed and more anxious, more likely to abuse drugs. And you know what? Those people that are making all that money, they're the usually, high, particularly in America, they're workaholics. They have more isolation. They're working more hours. And we don't feel the need for others. We look at them as competitors. So we're not happy. Maybe Jesus is on to something here. We're warned when we're rich. The well-off, if you are well-off, are being warned. And that's all of us. Warned when you're rich, but don't tune out. Keep listening. Because you're warned when you are full. Warned when you are full. I forgot that today was the Super Bowl. More food is consumed. Super Bowl Sunday, I think I read, than any other day, including Thanksgiving. Warned when you are full. Here, verse 25. I just ruined your afternoon. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. We live in probably the most obese nation ever. Even healthy people tend to be well-fed. Nobody's starving. But this comes with a warning. Don't find your contentment and your comfort in full bellies or full freezers or full pantries or full grocery stores. Don't find your contentment there. Don't be self-satisfied. Don't trust in those things instead of Jesus. Don't do that. He's lovingly warning us. If you're self-satisfied, you will end up being hungry, no matter how things feel now. So he's warning us when we're rich, warning us when we're full. Now we also hear something else. You're warned when you laugh. Warned when you laugh. Look at verse 25. The end of it. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. We live in a culture that turns everything into a joke. Everything's funny all the time. But Jesus is telling us life is serious too. 
The context here of laughter does not mean you can't laugh. It's saying that if you're laughing because you're so self-satisfied, you don't care about other people's suffering, you don't care that other people are struggling, you look at Christians and they're those idiots that believe those things, those fools, why do they live that way? <laughs> Someday they'll be as smart as me. You're warned. The warning falls on you. You will weep. You're warned. You should be weeping and mourning at times over suffering and sin. Our mourning and weeping will come if that's us because we aren't one of God's people. Warned. We're all warned. Warned when you're rich and full. Warned when you're laughing. And lastly, warned when you are praised. Warned when you are praised. Here, verse 26. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. If you are praised by all people all the time, you are not following Jesus. But we want that, don't we? We want people to love us. We want people to talk about us behind our back in a good way. We want that. Seeker-sensitive churches, liberal churches, groups like that will tend to make church services as little, with as little offense as possible. And I'm not saying people should go out of their way to offend others, but Jesus is saying, you can't please everybody. You will offend people. You will be rejected for my sake. And you know what? That can happen in conservative churches too. People following Jesus, that's offensive, the way you're doing that. A little different than me. Most of the things that are praised in our culture are not glorifying to God. They're not. So this, is, this lays something on <clears throat> a number of us. You must be warned when Christianity is cool. So things like youth groups, college groups, home groups, all good things. But when Christianity is cool, there will be a question. Why am I here? Am I here because it's cool to be here? I'm with these cool people? Or am I here because of Jesus? Am I being... Am I being praised for being here? Be warned. If, you're, if you'd rather be praised than follow Jesus, you're warned. You could start to love being praised for your religion more than loving Jesus himself. So here is warning. So examine this popular slogan, follow your heart. Follow your heart. If we follow our hearts, what do we notice? And think about the way you pray. We want ease. We want less poverty. We want to be rich if we follow our hearts. We don't want suffering if we follow our hearts. We don't want to be hungry. We want the best food and we want it now. If we follow our hearts, we don't want to weep now. We don't want to suffer. We want to laugh. And we certainly, if we follow our hearts, 
want to be praised. Now, it's okay to pray for those things, but just beware, Jesus is warning us. I think about the wealthy cartoon character, Scrooge McDuck. Dives off a high high dive into a, a vault of coins. Swims in it. But if you jump off a high dive into that, you don't land in water. You break your neck. So you're warned this morning. And notice something about these warnings. Our sin is so great, and I'm losing my voice, that we look at Jesus perfect, sinless, lives like the poor, and what it means to be truly blessed, and we say, Jesus, you live that way? No thanks! I want to live a different way. I want to live the exact opposite way. I want to be rich. I want to be comfortable. I want to be praised. I want to laugh. Don't tune out. Hear the warning. If we are self-satisfied with our wealth, if we stuff ourselves with food, comfortable lives, being praised by people, we are being warned. You should be glad we preach expositionally. I don't think I would choose to preach this. But Jesus wants us to hear it. It's not a sin to be rich and have a few comforts, but it is a deadly sin to trust in riches and comfort and safety at the cost of your eternal soul. A deadly sin. Those things will control you like a tyrant. So kids, teenagers, billions of dollars is meant to sell you stuff, to tell you to be rich, to tell you to be comfortable, to tell you to be praised by the culture. Don't buy it. Don't believe it. You're warned right here. The blessed life is something different. It's knowing Jesus Christ, following him, even when you're battered. We can help one another. We can help one another with this. We can encourage each other in home groups and discipleship groups to check our hearts. We can say, what, where, where's your heart at right now? You're really glad, you're really happy for the promotion. We're happy with you. We want to rejoice with you. But we notice maybe your heart's getting a little too attached to your bank account. Oh, you're mourning right now. We want to mourn with you. We want to help you walk through this trial. But we also want to help point your eyes. This isn't going to be forever. You're blessed now. You'll laugh in the future. It's coming. I need that. I need you as Christians. We need each other. Further, we're going to want to tell other people this, that they can only flourish when they're attached to Jesus Christ. We want to warn them and we want them to heed the warning, be blessed, leap for joy because they know Jesus. We want them to be filled in the life to come. Sometimes, When you get away from cities and the busyness of life, you end up in places where you can only get one radio station. You can only tune into one station. 
Some of us need to do that this morning. Tune in here. One person who tuned in to Jesus by getting away from the busyness was an Anglican bishop named John Hooper in the middle 1500s. Hooper was preaching the gospel faithfully. Roman Catholic uh, monarchy, Queen Mary, doesn't like it. So she puts him in prison where Hooper, all he can do now with this Bible, he doesn't have to tune into anybody else. He just tunes into Jesus. He's just reading the Bible, applying it to his life. He hears Jesus. He hears the blessings. He hears the warnings. And he starts to internalize it more and more. And then one day, one of the guys he helped convert comes and visits him. He's concerned. Says to Bishop Hooper, you know, Bishop, brother, like, you can recant trusting in Jesus alone. You can recant refusing to take the mass of the Catholic Church. He says, maybe, maybe life will get better, you know, in a couple of years down the road. He says this, consider, brother, that life is sweet and death is bitter. Life hereafter may do good. Good things may happen. But Hooper was turned, tuned into Jesus. He knew the blessings and the warnings. He says this, the life to come is more sweet and the death to come is more bitter. Let's pray. Lord, we pray we would hear these blessings and hear these warnings and respond by trusting Jesus. We pray that we would turn from all of our sin knowing it destroys us Pray we would turn from trusting being comfortable and instead trust in the King who is crucified for us. We pray that the, we would really know what it means to be blessed and that we would heed the warnings. God, help us to do that every day for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.